Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm so excited that you are joining me today for another great episode and conversation to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. And today we're talking all about leadership development, something that is probably the most common thing that I hear about people working on in the world of talent development. I'm on calls every week with L&D professionals in different organizations around the world. And when I ask people what they're working on, what they're doing, the most common thing I hear is we're working on a new leadership development program or revamping a new leadership development program. And uh, we're looking for inputs on XYZ. And this is an area that I've worked in for many years, and yet I still love learning from experts like our guest that we're having on today. Megan Galloway is on a mission to make our workplace a more authentic and human place for current and future generations to thrive. Megan is the founder of Everleader, a culture strategy agency that helps companies map their culture strategy and implement it into their day-to-day business operations. Megan has held L&D roles in multiple companies and specializes in building award-winning learning programs and communities for teams and fast-growing companies. Her thought leadership has been featured in podcasts, articles, and international conferences, and her LinkedIn-based Coffee Chat community has hosted thousands of participants from six of the seven continents around the world. I'm guessing we got to find somebody from Antarctica to join one of those in the future. She's also a prolific and inspiring creator on LinkedIn with over 10,000 followers and recently kicked off a new leadership builders cohort program to help L&D professionals build better leadership development programs. She loves Ted Lasso, baking French pastries, and spending time with her family and sometimes in the snow as well. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Although we can hold the snow. I've had enough of that for like a year. Yeah, we were joking. We, we've kind of been going back and forth joking because you're in Kansas City. We're recording this uh, in near the end of January and you just had quite a few snow days recently, right? With the kids staying home from school. We've had as many snow days as we've had school days since the beginning <laughs> of the year. So yeah, we've we've had lots of together time. Yesterday, we watched the Harry Potter movie. It's just, uh, we're doing anything and everything we can to keep these kids occupied. Uh, aren't you supposed to just send them out to go play in the snow while you work? That doesn't work anymore. Well, that's the thing is we had like negative temperature, like to the Chiefs game a couple of weeks ago that was hosted Mm. here in Kansas City. The high that day was like zero degrees. So you did not want to go outside. It was just miserable. Mm. And then they went up to Buffalo and played in, I think, even colder weather. Not that I really follow American football much anymore, but it sounded like some cold games those guys were playing in. Yeah, it definitely was. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see where things go by the time this is published. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> the exactly. Super Bowl may have already happened. So it might we'll be see. warmer. You never know. But anyway, we'll switch from weather and football to talent and leadership development. And I'm curious, Megan, I've been following your journey for maybe a couple of years now. We've been connected on LinkedIn and uh, we finally had the, a chance to chat recently and realized dude, we had so much in common and I think a, a fast friendship. And I'm excited to to dig into this topic of leadership with you today and why and how you've developed a lot of your philosophies on this. But I know you've worked in multiple roles for a long time in talent development. I wonder if we could start with a little bit of your background and how did you get into L&D in the first place? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think like so many people, it was an accident. I didn't even know, like if you would have asked me when I was in high school and college, if I would be having a career in leadership development, I I probably didn't even know this existed at the time. But yeah, I started, my undergraduate was in Spanish with a minor in business, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So I ended up uh, in HR for a construction company, using that Spanish to help hire on people from the trades. And as that company grew quickly, I ended up falling into a place of learning and development because that was one of their strategic needs. So ended up growing their programs from the ground up. We were recognized by ATD as the number 19 training organization in the world one of the years um, after about three years of growing that program. Number 20 was IBM. So we were pretty proud of that. Nice. Then when we moved back to Kansas City, I, I did that same thing for two other organizations, another construction company and a bank, and built their learning and development programs from the ground up as well. So kind of fell into that little niche of starting programs where you know companies have never really had them before. Mm. Uh, some of the work that I love doing in that space is the culture change around why it's important to have resources for learning and development inside of an organization. I've worked with and met quite a few people who have sort of started the learning and development departments in a lot of companies. I've heard lots of different stories from the overly positive, the stories we love to hear, which is our our executive team is all in on learning and development. They're giving us tons of resources to invest in this to, of course, the other side of like, nobody sees the importance of it and they've never done it before. And they don't understand why I'm asking for money for this, right? So when you're getting that started and you like starting those those new groups and resources, how do you think about building the business case for making more investments in learning and development for an organization that maybe hasn't done that before? Yeah, I think it is hard because for a lot of organizations, particularly like I worked in construction where learning and development, HR, they're seen as overhead or something that's like an expense to the business, right? Like, and so I think changing the mindset from moving from this is something that we're just putting money into to this is something that's going to actually help us do our jobs easier is a really important shift that needs to happen, but it it doesn't happen quickly. It takes time for people to understand the real value and so I think that one of the things that was most important whenever I was starting was finding like places where I could get quick wins inside of like the more technical parts of a business. Because once people saw the benefits of like having documented processes that helped make, you know, onboarding easier, whatever that was, then they'd be a lot more open to things like leadership development that feel on the surface a little bit more squishy to them. Yeah. And I think one of the things a lot of L&D professionals are trying to figure out right now is how do I become more of a strategic partner or get more of a proverbial seat at the table? These are things that come up a lot. How do we show the value of learning and development so it's not just considered a cost center or overhead? Sometimes I hear it comes down to the relationships and you know needs analysis, but how do you think about making that case and really positioning yourself or helping someone in L&D position themselves to become more of a partner in the business? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest that I, I tripped over myself on this at first with one of the construction companies that I worked with. I felt like I knew what they needed. And so my approach was like, let me come in and tell you what you need. Mm. And that was a mistake. Like that was, I, I learned my lesson really quickly that way, because I think one of the most important parts of being truly a partner, a strategic partner to the business is understanding the business and talking the talk of the people that you're serving, right? So getting an understanding for them, it's almost like being in sales. Cause like I, I transitioned out of L and D and my first job uh, inside of the tech startup that I worked at, I was in a sales seat for a while. And one of the things that you talk about there is finding people's pain and seeing what problem they're having and then helping them find a solution for that problem or their pain. And that's exactly the approach that I think that works best when you're in that strategic partner kind of seat is understanding in their language, 
What are the biggest challenges that they're facing? And then what are the solutions that can help fix that? Because I feel like in so many instances, L&D becomes this like order taker kind of a feel where you sit in this space and people come to you and they're like, we need training on challenging conversations. Mm -hmm. You dig into it further and you really understand where their pain is coming from. They have one person on their team that is struggling with having challenging conversations. So what they really need is coaching for that one person, or they need to just have a challenging conversation themselves. Right. So that's where I feel like being that strategic partner with really taking almost more of a sales approach can be really helpful. Yeah, that's so important. One of the worst things that happens out there is when you create a training class for everybody in a department and only one person needs it and everyone else is looking around like, why do we need this? I'm already doing this. And it's, oh, it's for that one person. Couldn't they just talk to him or her and and you know provide some coaching, like you said? So really going back to like, what is this all about? What What's really the problem here, or the challenge here, and how can we get better? You have started to, you know, with your career doing lots of different things in learning development, really carved out a niche as an expert on leadership development. You recently launched a new cohort for L&D professionals to learn how to create better leadership development programs, which I thought was pretty cool. I saw you post about link on that on LinkedIn the other day. What is it about leadership development? How did you really hone in on that as becoming your specialty or area of expertise? Yeah, I think that like you had said in the intro of this, every single organization needs leadership development. And I think that um, there's a lot of folks that are realizing that leadership development, the way that we've done it traditionally, doesn't always work exactly the way that we want it to. And so there is a ton of money invested in leadership development. And I don't know if people always get the results that they want to get from it. So in every single organization I've worked at, I've done some sort of manager training program or leadership development program or executive leadership development program. And I think that the thing that I... And gravitated, I gravitate to the most with it is that when you get down the real skills that you need as a leader or as a human being, like emotional intelligence and understanding resilience and understanding how to have hard conversations with people, all the rest of your technical job gets easier. And so I think that for me, it's like this foundation that every organization needs, regardless of industry. And it's this place where I think that, like with some of the executive coaching clients I work with, Part of the reason why I love leadership development is not just because it's helping them at work. It's because it's helping them in so many other areas of their life as well. How to be a better, you know, spouse, how to be a better parent, how to be a better friend. And just it's this thing that all of us, every single one of us, no matter what our job title is, can learn from and grow with over time. It's it's just a never ending journey of yeah. leadership. And it's it's something that can have cascading effects, right, on everybody in the organization. When you help leaders become better managers, better leaders, then that helps the people that report to them become better at their jobs and become more engaged and more productive, it can really have a profound impact. So I want to ask you about the components of some great leadership development. I want to start with the mistakes and the negative. What do you see as some of the most common mistakes or biggest mistakes that companies are making when it comes to developing leaders? Or maybe we start with not developing leaders. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the biggest, the two of the biggest red flags that I see, the first one is that the executive team doesn't participate. They they think that they're exempt from it because they're in executive leadership roles and they've been a leader for a long time. And maybe they've even had leadership development training previously. And so they think that it's not really required for them to go. But I think that when you're not, when you don't have an engaged executive team inside of your programs, the rest of the organization notices and they're not as bought in because the accountability isn't there for them. So I think that's one thing. And the second thing that I see frequently is that I think that in particular, brand new managers, they just don't have the skills or they don't even know the skills that they need to be successful in their role. 
And I think from an organizational development perspective, so many organizations promote folks that are really great at their job. And so they put this like technically savvy person into a people leader role, but then don't give them any training to help them with the new skills that they need to be successful as a people leader. So that person kind of flounders because they don't understand. They just like put more things on their plate and they think that's going to make them successful. And in reality, like what got them to their place of success as a technical person mm-hmm. isn't going to always make them successful as a people leader. So I think those are the two biggest things that I see right now as, as yeah. challenges. I think the the most common challenge in all of talent development, it may always be this, is that that transition, right? Promoting people from individual contributor to manager and not having the right training or support to help them learn how to become a manager because it's a completely different skill, right? Helping, you know, someone is really good at sales or engineering and then saying, why don't you go teach other people how to do that is not so simple, right? It's a completely different skill. There's plenty of studies to show that it doesn't work out very well without support. So let's talk about leadership development. I think like we talk, talked about in the intro, every company is thinking about how do we develop our leaders and starting at different levels and obviously taking different approaches. What do you think are the components or what makes a great leadership development program? What should companies be thinking about when starting there? Yeah. The biggest thing that I would say in general is creating like a crafted multimodal approach. So I mean that every organization should be really thoughtful about what they specifically need for their culture, for their stage of business, for their industry, for the people that are inside of their organization. So that may look different. You may have a leadership development program that five years from now isn't as relevant anymore and you need to make updates to it Um, because the people change, the economic conditions change, the stage of of the, the organization may change over time. So I think that crafting something that's really personalized to the current state of the business is really important. And then I think the multimodal approach is the second really important thing, because I don't think that you can just like implement a boot camp and that makes a successful program. I don't think you can just drip content over the course of 12 months and send emails mm-hmm. every right. week. And that's going to fix things either. Right. So a multimodal approach, in my opinion, is really great because it gives lots of different opportunities for reinforcement, for opportunities for people to apply things real time to their day-to-day job. And I think the other thing that's really important about that too is people get really busy and they're not always able to make every component of a leadership development program. But when you have this reinforcement from multiple modalities over time, then they get to kind of self-select into the things that make the most sense for them in their career. So when you say multimodal, you mean different approaches, right? Like live training, in-person, virtual, on-demand. There's all kinds of different ways to approach this. And there's no one size fits all. But it used to be if you wanted to develop leaders, you're putting them in a room for one, two, three days, right? And then they go back to work and you hope that that works. But you're suggesting there needs to be a lot of different factors and even some things after the program to make sure you're reinforcing that learning. Yeah. Training is one very small component in my Mm -hmm. opinion. So outside of that, you have coaching, you have one-on-one coaching, you could do group coaching, you could have a mentorship program or executive sponsorship as part of this. You can have like real life application where they're having to take what they're learning and go put it into their day-to-day. You can implement, implement like a learners as teachers model. So people that are learning inside of the program are then taking it and turning it around and teaching it to individual contributors throughout the organization. Like there are so many different things that you can do as part of your programming that helps reinforce, but also gives more opportunities to create internal conversation around the topics that you're trying to teach. Because I think that's one of the most important parts of the leadership development program that's often like overlooked is this thought that 
The goal is yes, developing skills, but the more important factor is developing skills that everyone is like speaking the same language around and there's cultural consistency. And I think that's become even more critical in a remote or like hybrid environment that we're, that we're in now. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And when you think about where to start, in fact, I think I was on a call with an L&D leader the other day who told me we're looking at creating some new leadership development programs. Where do you recommend we start? Executive level, mid-level, frontline? And I didn't have the answer. What do you say to that? I actually just did a LinkedIn post about this last week because it like mm. kept coming up in my conversations as well. And the one that went out, there was probably like 150 people that voted uh, inside this poll. And I asked those exact three categories, like, where would you start? Would you start executive, mid-level, or frontline? And interestingly enough, the poll said mid-level managers were the most critical, like I think it was like 45% mm. mid-level. Yeah. There was like 35%, I want to make sure that I'm going to like get the math right here. Um, there was like 35% frontline, so that was like second. And then the last one was executive leadership, which, and it only had like 15% of votes. I was really surprised at the way that that, that um, poll came out. So it's interesting. I think everyone has different perspectives here. My answer is going to be a little bit fuzzy and that I think it's so dependent on an organization. I think that it's dependent on how engaged an executive leadership team really is. If they're already bought into the program and are willing to be engaged in frontline leadership training, then start with the frontline leaders. If an executive team is struggling and they have like false harmony within their team and they're not really truly a great team as it is, then you probably need to start with the executives so that they can then be able to be supporters when it rolls out to the rest of the organization. Because I do think that when you roll out like either frontline or mid-level manager training and you implement like a whole bunch of concepts and you teach them all these really great skills and, and methodologies they should use, and then they try to put that those things into practice and bump into the executive team who's not doing any of those things, it can actually become counterproductive because people mm-hmm. are like, I've learned there's a better way and we're not doing that here. And maybe I want to go somewhere else that does, right? Right. right. Yeah, that's that's a hard one. I uh, So I just checked your poll. As of late January, where we are, you have 198 votes and it's 44% for mid-level managers, 42% frontline, 10% executive leaders, which includes my vote, and 4% for other, put your opinion below, 39 comments. Not going to go through those right now. I think this is interesting because- you have the highest percentage here for mid-level managers, yet in my experience, that is the group that gets left out, right? I see more and more companies really jumping on to that and catching on to that these days, realizing, oh my gosh, that mid-level is so important. We used to talk about that when I was in consulting years ago, and yet there didn't seem to be too many programs, unless you had a program that started at the top or bottom and scaled and it got so popular that you know now you've got the mid-level leaders going through it, but it didn't seem like a place where many companies would start. So it is surprising to me that so many people voted for that as the starting place. I do think it's a gap, but I kind of have a hot take on this because mm. I think that I think that the bigger challenge is not necessarily that they're lacking training. I think the bigger problem is the structure of our organizations overall. So like, I'll give you an example. I was doing a keynote in, where was I? I was in Minneapolis last year. And I sat at the bar next to this gentleman and I like to test out my keynote content at the hotel bar a lot of the time. Okay, all right, all right. I want to hear more about this. Then, uh, then the audience likely won't like it either. So, you know, I was just making conversation, testing out a little of the the couple of the jokes and the the interesting facts that I had in my keynote. And this gentleman worked for a semiconductor organization. He, a manufacturing organization, he was in a technical leadership position 
And he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm glad that you're talking about this, um, you know, why we need better leaders at our organizations. But those of us that are actually in leadership positions, like we're never given the chance to actually become better leaders. And I said, mm. well, what do you mean? And he said, well, after I'm done here, like having this beer, talking to you, I'm going to go do my second job. And I said, you have two jobs? And he said, yeah, during the day, I am a manager. I support my team. Yeah. And then in the evening, I have my entire technical job to do. And some days I prioritize my technical job and I just don't answer my team until the evenings. But he's literally working two jobs because yeah. so many organizations have this like player coach model where they're like, oh, people mm -hmm. can do that's good. That's a good plan. We should yeah. be able to, we don't want to lose the technical abilities of this incredible person, but we also need someone to manage all of these people. And so we'll just put this really great rock star in this mid-level manager position where they're managing up and managing down and trying to figure out a technical job and not changing any of that workload. And I think the organizational design needs to change in so many instances because those people are not going to make a choice, a good choice in right. a hard conversation with an employee when they're burnout overtaxed and they're just stressed about getting out of the conversation so they can go do their their day job or night job when they get done. And I think that's that's pretty that's pretty prominent in a lot of organizations that I talk to right now. Yeah, I've heard of that. And that is uh, that can be really stressful. I'm glad that that uh, the man you met at least made time to have a beer and talk to you in between his two jobs for the same company. But it is it is really frustrating. I've heard about that. And, you know, when you make the move to becoming a manager, ideally, we want managers to focus on leading, to focus on managing, especially if they have a large number of direct reports where all their time is about, and what I think management leadership is about, enabling and empowering other people to succeed. But it's hard to do that if you still have a job to do. It's like, oh, well, you're so good at this job. We want you to keep doing it. And we want you to go coach and teach others how to do it too. That's kind of hard to do, right? Within a limited number of hours, unless you want people to to burn out. And there probably are a lot of people in that situation. So hopefully we can help people make a shift from that. We can we can provide more development. But like you said, it's not just about how do you develop managers. We need an organizational shift. We need a cultural shifts toward supporting leaders and being just being leaders and not just not doing multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. You talked earlier about the boot camps and a multimodal approach. I'm curious as well if you have an opinion on, and this is going to differ in different organizations, how you approach putting a program together. You know, if maybe if you just have a small team and do you try to do all that internally? Do you work with partners? Obviously, every organization is different in terms of their budget and like how they like to approach things. But, you know, what have you seen work as like the right mix for developing these programs? Yeah. It is dependent on organization. And I will say I have a very strong preference for most leadership development content to, I, I can like, you can take some things off the shelf, but they need to put into a wrapper of being personalized for an organization. Because I think that one of the things that is challenging about leadership development training, especially when it comes off the shelf, is it's very, it's like theory-based, right? So we're talking about these concepts and these ideas of, how to have a better one-on-one -on -one or how to give good feedback or whatever the topic might be. But people have a challenging time making a transfer between this idea of like this theory and then how I can actually implement this in my day-to-day -day job. So that's why I think that there needs to be a bit of a shift overall inside of our organizations from this like off-the-shelf content that 
you know, might still be applicable in some instances, especially when you're thinking about like introducing concepts, but then you have to be so thoughtful about adding on an application component that helps people make the transfer and kind of, you know, really shows them how to make the transfer between theory and the actual application on their day-to-day job. So maybe that looks like support in coaching circles internally, where people are talking about the real challenges that they have when those things come up. Or maybe it looks like changing meeting structures. So everyone that goes through the program is learning how to get feedback from their team. Maybe you implement something where you give them a conversation guide for their team meetings so that they can really like understand how they can do a retro at the end of a, of a team meeting so that they can gather feedback in a safe way from people. So yeah, I think that's my long-winded response to that is I do think that it can be helpful to partner with vendors when you have to move really fast, but you have to still personalize it so that it matters to your people. Yeah, agree completely. And I'm curious when you think about the components, right? As as someone's piecing these things together, what do you see as the essential keys to great leadership these days? What are some things that we need to be thinking about those capabilities or keys or characteristics we want to be teaching to our leaders? Yeah, I think one of the top ones right now is leading through ambiguity, I think is a really important topic. Our world is changing faster than ever and will the rate of change will continue to accelerate. And so I think that people knowing how to navigate through change is really important. And I think that's a really hard topic for a lot of leaders because as humans, we don't typically like change. Yep. So I think that's an important one. I think another one that will persist through the entirety of time is how to have conversations with people. <laughs> I think that it's really hard because we learn how to have conversations in certain ways and then a new generation enters the workplace. And now there's a new type of person that we need to figure out how to how to converse, how to have conversations with. And so I think that forever we will always be focusing on how do you have real conversations with people? And I think that starts from a place of self-awareness. So like if I could start every single leadership development program with one topic forevermore, mm-hmm. it would be self-awareness because you know, that's the hardest topic for most people to grasp yeah. is understanding how you interact with people. Mm-hmm. What's important to you? Like you are an expert in this too, Andy. Like why, what are your values? Why do you live your life the way that you live your life? How do you want to show up with people? Like there, mm. there are very few leaders that I talk to that are proactive about thinking about how they want to show up as a leader. Mm. I think about this all the time, brother, too much. I gave two <laughs> virtual keynotes earlier today and I talked about the importance of self-awareness in both of them, because I do agree. It's such an important topic for leadership, for success in life, just to know who you are and, and where you're going it just, I, I think, I don't know, it leads to so much more fulfillment, I think, in life to have a better grasp of that. Then you start seeing others that have no grasp of it whatsoever. And you're like, oh, wish I could help them. But you got to start by helping yourself. Megan, I have been, you're know, speaking of that, I've been working on a draft of a new book called Modern Leadership about helping managers become better leaders in this new modern world. Like you said, the pace of change is fasting. The pace of change is changing faster. Things are changing really fast. When you hear that term, What do you think of as an element of that? Or what is modern leadership to you? Mm. Yeah, I think that modern leaders are leaders that are deciding for themselves who they want to be and how they want to lead on a daily basis. Like I think that conscious leadership is so important, having that awareness around who you want to be and how you want to approach things. I think that so many times we adopt the leadership styles of the people before us subconsciously. And I think that the the leadership the leadership principles that worked 15, 20 years ago don't work 
as in today's environment, today's economy, today's society. And I think that there's a larger gap than we've ever seen before between the state of like society and who we are as a people and the ways in which people are leading other people. So I think that the biggest solution to that is just seeing people as human beings again. We've drifted so far away from that uh, as a society because we went through quite a time period, particularly I think in the 90s and early 2000s, where we tried to really separate work and life. Mm -hmm. And all of those things crash back together over the course of the last 15 years, the more that we've had a prevalence of, you know, smartphones and being connected all of the time. And people are trying to find a new way of being. And through all of that, I think that we're having to decide like how we want to approach work and life and how those things all fit together. And as we're doing all of that, you know, that we have to figure out the the ways in which our behavior affects other people and affects our own lives too. So, yeah. Uh, related to that, as we we get close to wrapping up here, you mentioned you know the way we work has changed so much over the last 15 years. Certainly in the last four years, we've gone through a major, major event and transition with the pandemic and so many more companies working remotely. Many have gone back to the office, but many companies committed to staying remote. A lot of people in sort of a hybrid type situation in between working remote at least a few days a week. And a topic that I think comes up quite often when I'm talking to L&D people about putting leadership development programs is around leading in a remote environment, right? Because it's different than being walking by and stopping at the cubicle and having a chat with your team members on a daily basis. What advice do you have there? How do you think about guiding leaders to lead in a remote working environment? Yeah, I think that the pandemic just accelerated a lot of what we were already going to see in the coming years. And the reason why I say that is because I think that basically it just uncovered a lot of the existing issues that were underlying. So if you already had a pretty strong culture where your managers were actively doing work on themselves and their own development and trying to be kind humans inside of the workplace, I don't think those companies struggled quite as much. And they're not in this place where they're like, oh, we have to make people come back to the office or how are we going to keep our culture? The companies that are struggle, struggling right now and trying to figure out that balance between being in person and being remote and being hybrid and how do you stay connected with people? I think those organizations already had underlying challenges and the ways in which they were leading. And so I think that the, my biggest advice to those folks that are trying to figure out that balance is to Really think about what are the day-to-day -day interactions inside of your culture, whether they're remote, whether they're in person, and how do those interactions and how do your, your choices on a regular basis, how do they affect the people inside of your organization? Because at the end of the day, that's what your culture is, is based on, right, is all of the individual actions of your leadership team and of your managers. And so I think that, I think it is possible to have a really fantastic culture in a remote environment. I also think it's possible to have a really fantastic culture in an in-person environment. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's about the where as much. I think it's more about the how, the why, and the mm -hmm. what. Yep, I totally agree. Megan, we've been talking a lot about leadership development. This has been great. I know you coach a lot of people on this. You have a cohort program you just started helping L&D professionals create better leadership development programs. Anything we missed or you think is important to share or for L&D professionals to think about when they are creating their next leadership development program? That's a good question. I think the only the only other thing that I would add is to get really creative with the ways in which you interact with the business. So I think that one of the most underutilized modalities right now is coaching. I think that coaching has typically been reserved for executives inside of an organization. And there are so many companies out there that are trying to scale coaching so that more folks can get the type of one-on-one -on -one support that they need. I do think it's a fabulous investment. So I think that there's 
there's a lot of modalities that are going to continue to adapt over time with the changing workplace. And so my biggest encouragement to people is not to just, just build a program and put it on the shelf and say, we're done with this, right? Like, I think the bigger thing is to think about how do we continue to adapt and be agile with our programs over time to continually suit the needs of the people inside of our business? So that would be my advice. Create agile programs to meet your agile people. Yeah, I agree. And we've always got to be checking in to make sure, see what's working, what's not, get feedback and make adjustments along the way, right? Because you said things are changing all the time. Megan, this has been fantastic. Really love talking with you on this. Would love to get you into our community to talk more with our community members about leadership development. And uh, I know that for those listening, if they want to hear more, certainly they can go follow you, connect with you on LinkedIn. Anything else you would recommend for anybody that wants to reach out to you or, or find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. LinkedIn is a great place. Um, you can also find me at everleaderconsulting.com. That's my business that I've just relaunched in the new year here. So I do keynote speaking workshops, those types of things, but also consulting inside of organizations. Um, and I take on a couple of executive coaching clients every, every quarter as well. Love it. Well, thank you, Megan, for being here and sharing so many great insights, so much wisdom and experience around leadership and creating great leadership development programs. This has been valuable, helpful for me, and I know it has been for our listeners as well. So thank you again. Great talking with you. We're going to have you hang on because we've got our bonus Q&A conversation coming up soon. But for those of you listening at home, I hope you took some notes, or I say at home, for those of you listening, wherever you are, I hope you took some notes. You've got some great ideas for how to improve leadership where you are. We're going to be talking more about this throughout the year in our Talent Development Think Tank community. If you're not a member, come check us out. The website is tdtt.us slash community. That's tdtt.us slash community. Thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you again for listening to the Talent Development Think Tank podcast and my conversation with Megan Galloway. I hope you enjoyed that. You took notes. You've got some good takeaways that you can use in your business, especially with regards to developing leaders. We are going to get Megan scheduled as a guest speaker to run a session in our Talent Development Think Tank membership community for our community members to talk all about leadership development, answer questions, and help workshop this idea of creating better leadership development programs. If you are not a member, come check us out. The website is tdtt.us and just click on community and you have all the information there, including all the information about our three tiers of membership, our foundation level, which gives you access to all of our recordings and our online tutorials. We have the regular main level, which gives you access to all of our recordings, plus all of our live calls and collaborating and conversations with our members online. And then you have our entrepreneur level for those building a business in the L&D space to mastermind on a monthly basis and help each other with our businesses and our growth. So choose the one that is right for you. Again, the information is tdtt.us slash community. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you and I will talk to you next time.